With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. goodness yeah yeah we can't sneak up on anybody with the recording anymore and Eli I know you're probably familiar with our, our friend Keith McPherson we've had him on the podcast a few times and of every course. time we have a guest I like to tell them about the time that Keith was on the podcast for like 10 full minutes talking about you know whatever we were talking about that week and then he goes yeah so if you guys want to like I don't know we can work that into the podcast somehow I'm like whoa oh, oh Keith this is the podcast. Ten, it's been going for 10 minutes, buddy. We've been recording this whole time. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. We usually just record ourselves making weird chit chat about things that are not related to baseball at all. Um, but welcome, man. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 123 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, XL Media, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. This week, we are joined by the legend, Eli Fishman. What's up, man? What's up? I'm doing pretty well. Hope you guys are good and uh, a pleasure to come on. We are very happy to have you aboard. Um, we've been trying to have some super cool guests this year. So you are our second guest. So number two, my favorite number, Derek Jeter's favorite number, obviously. But welcome. We're very happy to have you today. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so Eli, I think the first thing that we have to get out of the way right now, and and this is going to cause some tension on the podcast, but what kind of nerve do you have to be so young and still be more successful writing than me and Allison? What, what nerve is that? I, I don't know. Um, a lot of, a lot of years, despite the young age. Yeah. You definitely put in, in the work, man. It's, it's proven you're writing for two different websites. And I don't know if you've know this, but for most of Yankees Twitter, you've kind of become the go-to authority on guys like Jason Dominguez and Volpe and Peraza and all these young guys, you are the go-to authority for them now. Yeah. So I understand it's been a wild Yankees Twitter um, experience. And the other day I, I like, I don't go on Reddit at all, but um, I discovered Yankees Reddit for the first time. That sounds dangerous, really dangerous. And I scrolled through and I, I searched my name and yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to go and do that now after like, the podcast. Yikes, I'm going to have to look it up. As in like people are obsessing over you or yikes as in like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Very like there were a couple no idea what he's talking about, but a lot, a lot of like how young he is and like a lot of comments like about my like profile picture and just like a, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff. It's an interesting place. You know, it, I was actually, that's one of my questions, honestly, is just the fact that like you are, you are young and you look young. Um, I actually, uh, my job, I work with senior citizens. So they're always like, oh my God, 
how old are you? You know, they're constantly asking me those questions. How do you deal with that with, you know, interviews? I mean, obviously people might not say it to your face, but like, how do you approach kind of that situation to avoid like getting that feedback for being looking young? And that's not a bad thing, just so you know. Definitely not. It's not a bad thing. And I feel like um, over the past couple of years, I've definitely built up like a rapport where like, I'm not a little kid coming up to these guys or an 18 year old coming up to these guys. And um, a lot of times like with Jason Dominguez and a lot of these younger guys, they're my same age um, or a couple of years older than me, um, which is crazy for me because of how young I feel. And the fact that these guys are professional baseball players with more followers than me, making a whole lot more money than me. Um, that part of it definitely helps the fact that I'm so young and can definitely relate to these guys. And um, they see me as more of an ally being that I'm a kid like them, not one of these, you know, older guys coming up to them, demanding information or demanding an interview or whatever it may be. Um, so I feel like there's definitely helpful aspects to it. Um, and I honestly don't know if, I'm if I wasn't 18 years old and, and 17 years old, you know, when a lot of the stuff in, or last season when all the Twitter stuff happened and my name really went on the map. If I wasn't 17, 18 years old, I don't know if I'm here right now um, in terms of the fact of a lot of my following is based off. Yes, I'm 18 years old and I'm working my way up the minors with these guys. So I feel like that's that's another fun way to look at it. But back to the more original question, sometimes. Um, especially also I'm, I'm pretty short, but when I was like really young, you know, like 14, 15, I'm talking like barely, I don't think I broke five feet tall, like literally like four foot eight going up to these guys. Um, so going up to Jason Dominguez, like (laughs) imagine if you're that height going up, like, hello, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, it was very, very tough, and it, it always has been very tough to gain um, credibility being so young and, and work up that rapport, as I said, and, you know, getting press passes, reaching out to people, and um, most of the time I said, or I used to say how old I was, but then sometimes I wouldn't, and they'd, I'd show up, and they'd ask me for ID to get into the ballpark, <laughs> like those kind of things. You'd be surprised how many times I've been asked for identification to go with my press credential. Hmm. Interesting. Are you are you trying to imply that teenagers don't like being approached by guys like John Heyman and Bob Klappich? Um, Understandably. <laughs> I mean, I might pass out, but, you know, other people might not think the same way. But I, I really like how you brought up to like you are the same age as some of these players or, you know, you're right around that, that same mark and kind of seeing you as an ally makes a huge difference. Like I didn't even think about that to be completely honest, but it really is awesome and a very cool way to look at it too. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. And and as I said, like I'm really going through the same process as them um, in terms of learning everything about the base or the world of professional baseball and climbing my my way up the ladder um, the same as them. So it's a lot of fun. And, when these guys are, you know, big league stars in a few years, then, then it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Then you can look back and be like, Hey man, like I was with you in low a single a high a double a triple a, like how about a story? Yeah. And I, I'm, I've been told or like told multiple times and heard multiple times about Brian Hoke's book, uh, baby bombers about 
um, you know, Judge and Austin and Severino and all these guys coming up and how he kind of wrote about, you know, their scouting and them going through the minors and how if this, you know, group of guys that we all talk about in the Volpe and Jason and Peraza and this talented group of guys, if they really do become something and, you know, the Yankees do have another dynasty, then um, I hope to write a couple of books about that. Yeah, that's the awesome. motivation is off the chart for I, I can tell you when I was that young, I was not that motivated at all, for sure. And, you know, I've grown slightly more motivated in my elderly age. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough, man, because you get to that point where I remember that I'm going to date myself the year Andrew Wiggins got drafted in the NBA. And it's tough to like look over and be like, motherfucker, that guy's the same age as me. And look what he's doing. <laughs> Oh, yes. It's also hard to like idolize, you know, some of these younger players coming up like Aaron Judge when he came up and I was like, I am older than him. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like I used to watch the Little League World Series and the kids were always like I watched it when I was 22 and I was like, these kids are awesome. And I'm like, they're 13. Oh, my God. It's the when that really hit me was the international signing period, which just started and like you mm -hmm. scroll through. And like 2004, September, November, I don't know if there were any 2005s that signed, but like they're young, makes mm -hmm. me feel old. <laughs> yeah, we all get there eventually. Um, so you've been, what, what's your focus with the minor leagues? Is it going to be the Somerset Patriots now or are you more, you know, wherever the talent is, that's where I'm going to be focusing my attention because I know the Yankees have a lot of really exciting prospects in the lower levels of their system. And, and we're going to get to that in a little while, but you know, we just want to get to know you more. Like, what are you going to be doing this year? Who are you going to be covering more intently than others? My goal is to cover absolutely everyone. And um, you know, there's a bit of lack of an in-depth coverage of minor league system. And there's, you know, a couple of beat writers that cover each team. Some teams don't even have a beat writer, but I just kind of make it my goal to be the, person who does the only person who doesn't work for an MLB organization the Yankees or a scout or another another team or whatever that is that knows the system better than anyone else um so I try my best to get around to all the games last year I was able to go to multiple games at every American or every minor league team in the United States all five levels I hope to do that again and maybe even the Dominican Republic summer team um this year but that might be that might be a little bit of a stretch um, so I live in New Jersey, not too far from Somerset, the double A team. So that's where I spend most of my time and then take weekend trips to Scranton to see the triple A team in Hudson Valley to see the uh, high A team. And then I have family, um, amazingly conveniently right in Tampa, right by the, um, spring training complex and the Tarpons and also the rookie, uh, Florida, Florida complex league team. So that worked out perfect. And especially in terms of my location, right in the Northeast, I'm like right by Somerset and then like right in between Hudson Valley and Scranton from each other. So that works out amazingly in terms of location. Um, the focus is probably going to be on Somerset, especially with Anthony Volpe there. Um, and hopefully Jason Dominguez is up up in the Northeast and Hudson, Va Hudson Valley at some point. There's a great group of guys that are going to be with the Tampa Tarpons um, next year. A, a lot of really young, really talented pitchers. So overall, I'm, really excited um hopefully there's a lot of a lot more fun stuff on the horizon uh next year this year and definitely get, maybe get a chance to get some rachel balkovec content out we love yes. her. she's our favorite yes absolutely 
my where I I have a lot of regrets, but one of my things is like there's so many people. Uh, actually, her and Dylan Lawson, like there were multiple times this year where I like walked right by them, and you know sometimes I introduce myself, sometimes I don't. Depends. Sometimes depends on the day, depends on the surroundings, and both of them. Like I didn't go up and talk to them and introduce myself, and now in the course of two months after, like I walked right by them um, at the complex. Obviously, amazing things are happening for both of them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. Definitely oh, love so that. So crazy. For them. <laughs> I know. I mean, is there, um, Eli, is there anyone that you are super excited to see? I know you mentioned there were a lot of um, awesome pitchers, you know, kind of coming up through the system as well. Obviously, we heard of Dominguez. Obviously, we know about Volpe. Um, but any like pitchers or anything that we should kind of keep an eye out for this year? Ooh, um, there's a lot of guys um, in the lower levels of the system that pop into my head. One guy is Tyrone Yuli. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher. He was in rookie ball this year and got a little bit of a taste of um, the Tampa Tarpons. And he throws hundred miles per hour, has a wipeout slider. Um, he's really young, really impressive. Nicio Rodriguez is another guy um, who's a pitcher. And then Antonio Gomez, who I talk on Twitter a lot about, um, mm-hmm. is a catcher. He was in the in rookie ball in low a um he was 19 years old last year played very well he is has been called one of the best defensive catchers in all of professional baseball at any level including the minor in, including the majors and i've also heard um that his arm is better than anyone in all of baseball um 80 Ooh. grade so especially considering yankees fans displeasure with gary sanchez's defense um, I know he's someone on the horizon that a lot of people um, should be look should be looking forward to. Um, another guy who is in um, the Dominican Summer League is Henry Lalane, is a, a big left-handed pitcher, six foot eight, and he's not on a lot oh of my people's God. radars. Six foot eight lefty, a lot of Randy Johnson comparisons, hmm. and he's seventeen. Oh my God! Oh, six he's foot eight at seventeen. Oh my he's God! Younger than me. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, that, that's the cool thing about covering the minor leagues, especially for the Yankees. Cause you know, Yankees fans have an appetite for this kind of thing. Cause, cause they're psychopaths for the most part. And, you know, we might be more psychotic than some of the other ones, but there's an appetite for those younger guys. And, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of overvaluation that comes into it. I think a guy's like justice Sheffield, who was maybe overvalued as a prospect for the Yankees. And, you know, he's pitched pretty well with Seattle right now, but is there anyone that isn't being valued properly right now. Someone who is maybe on the top 30. I know you just put out that top 50 list. Someone who Yankee fans have probably never actually heard of, but could make an impact on the big league level in the next couple of years. Um, it's tough just because it feels like there's so many guys. I want to like go back to my, to the top 50 and, and look and see, but um, you know, Brandon Lockridge is one guy that I've mentioned a lot. Um, he's an outfielder and could definitely fill a fourth outfielder role um, as soon as potentially this season. Um, he's he's played very impressive. Um, a lot of young pitchers. One guy, or I'll, I'll start with this guy. His name is Matt Crook. He's a left-handed pitcher. He was in AA and AAA this year. And I literally don't think I've seen a single media outlet say his name. And he absolutely dealt. He's a, he's a big left-handed pitcher. Actually reminds me a lot of Jordan Montgomery. Um, and pitches pitches a lot like him. He's got, you know, one of those like 60 plus percent ground ball rates. 
Um, you know, not overwhelming, doesn't throw insanely hard, but gets a lot of outs um, and a, a real nice slider. And I think he could be, shoot, in the big leagues opening day um, if, if that works out. And, you know, the group of guys, uh, they, they, were, they got on the radar because they were added to the 40-man roster. But Ron Marinaccio, Stephen Ridings obviously got a taste of the big leagues. And then J.P. Sears, too. Um, all those guys should definitely be on fans' radar like this year to, to be big pieces. I love that. That was definitely a name that I hadn't heard of yet. And any comparison to Jordan Montgomery is a okay with me. I've been on the Jordan Montgomery train since day one, uh, since CC Sabathia said, I don't know. It's just deceptive. It, it makes no sense. This curveball, he releases it so high and you just can't see it forever. I love Jordan Montgomery. So I'm going to have to write that name down and keep track of him this year. Yeah, he's, he's really impressive. And one more name I got to throw out there um, is Randy Vasquez. Um, yes. I know he, he got a lot of hype this year. He came out of nowhere and blew through um, low A, high A, and then double A. And he is as filthy as it gets in terms of he has three pitches that go in three different directions. I think even his fastball has like 10 inches of run. Like every pitch just moves an insane amount. Um, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And um, he was a bit of a late bloomer, but hopefully he'll be up soon. Yeah, he actually, he just made an appearance on the top 100 list for, I think it was baseball perspectives. Baseball so perspectives, right. Yeah, I don't think he was on the baseball America list. Yeah, it was glad. It's, it's always good to see, you know, those guys like come out of nowhere and get the recognition like that. You know, not very many people can go from not even on the top 30, a quarter of the way through the season to the top 100 in all of baseball. Um, so that very much goes to show how impressive his climb was. And he's, you know, the kind of guy like, you know, you go to games and everyone's talking about the guy a level down or the guy they saw at a different level. Um, and Vasquez is the kind of guy who got that hype. Impressive. That's very impressive. And, and I think it's a testament to the Yankees development system that they've put in place over the last few years. Do you have any insight onto maybe the inner workings of that? What are they focusing on down there? Is there, you know, something specific with pitchers that they try to teach maybe more than another organization tries to teach? Um, it's tough to say they are very secretive. That is one thing that I've learned about the Yankees. Like they are very, very secretive. Um, but one thing that you always hear in, um, the gas station, if you remember, um, oh yeah, uh, you know, last year, that was all the talk about that. That's actually at the minor league complex. So that's where the Yankee, that's where they, they do their stuff. And, um, the spin rate has obviously been a very, very big thing in all of baseball and the Yankees organization has definitely looked at that, you know, as we've learned in terms of the acquisitions they've made the past couple of years, they love their spin rate guys and they love their sinker baller guys. The Yankees do. So that's definitely something they've developed. Um, there's a lot of young, hard throwing guys um, and the, the strength training programs, I'm sure with, with Cressy coming in, definitely played a big role on that all throughout the organization at every level there's definitely been an uptick in terms of, you know, the, the get big, gain muscle, throw harder mentality. So again, it's, it's secretive. So I don't necessarily know, know a, a ton about it, but just from, from what you see in the tendencies in terms of players, that's definitely how it's been. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds good to me, whatever the Yankees are doing, it's been working lately and they have a really good eye for these kind of underrated pitchers lately. You think of a guy like Clay Holmes, who was very underrated with Pittsburgh and then turns into one of the most effective relievers we had down the stretch. 
And, and I think they have a very good sense of what they want. And, and even on the hitting side too, now with Dylan Lawson uh, coming up and, and kind of making more widespread changes to the major league organization, you see a little bit of that minor league hitting stuff coming across to the major league level. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see, you know, after everything, you know, as I said, like the, the coaches, the media members, the players, they're all working towards that same goal of bringing everything up to the big leagues. So it's exciting to see everything that I've seen in the minors in terms of the philosophies and, and loss and, you know, work their way to the bigs. Yeah. You know, I really do want to mention too, like from a standpoint of me where I grew up really only watching the Yankees, you know, having this coverage and all these details about the minor league players is just so much more exciting for me because then I can talk about it and be like, Hey, I know who's coming up next. Like when you see a name, you're kind of like, Oh, let me go research them. But now like with you doing stuff and with other people doing more minor league coverage, it's just, I feel so much smarter, I have to say. So thank you. Of course. Um, it's, it's fun to see like how much people actually care about the minors, um, which sometimes doesn't necessarily come across in, in media in general. Um, and that definitely shows. And then when the Yankees were, it was actually like my biggest, my biggest weeks are when the Yankees are struggling and everyone just wants to retweet the Jason Dominguez videos and Anthony Volpe videos and stats and whatever it is um, to get excited about the future. Um, and, because there is something to look forward to in the minors, definitely. Yeah, speaking of the future, we actually had uh, Max Goodman on a couple of weeks ago from Sports Illustrated, and we asked him about the Yankees shortstop situation, of course, and he thought, you know, maybe there was some credibility to the Yankees not getting Carlos Correa and maybe getting a placeholder for Peraza to come up and, and kind of be the first guy up at shortstop since, you know, Volpe was only in double A last year. He's not quite there to the big league level, but do you, see that as a possibility for the Yankees? And if so, what are we expecting from Peraza? Um, yeah, I definitely see it being a possibility. Um, I can, I also could see them moving guys and, and making trades, but the fact that you have you um, Peraza and Volpe, who are both top 50 prospects in baseball. And then you have Trey Sweeney, who also made a couple top 100s and Alexander Vargas, who was, he's, I think, nine, 18 or 19 now. Um, years old, but he made, um, he was the number four prospect, I believe, on fan graphs for the Yankees. You have four shortstops who are top 100, 120 players in all of minor league baseball, right on, you know, not too far away from the big leagues. And what are the chances that all four are busts? You know, really, you, you gotta, I feel like you kind of have to look at it that way. And in terms of the money that you could potentially be saving, I definitely feel like there's a solution. And Peraza and Volpe, in my mind, I don't think I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. But in, and you know they want to wait and, and develop them. But both of them are MLB big league shortstops right now, who could play, who could be the opening day shortstop for the New York Yankees today, and I would have a lot of confidence in them, both of them. So I definitely feel like they want to develop them more. But Peraza might be up very very quickly if if everything goes to plan and, and there's a space for him. So I could definitely see them keeping on holding on to these guys, but their, their trade stock is very, very high right now. 
So if the Yankees did get Carlos Correa, do you think they might lean towards trading those guys? Or do you think maybe there's a, a world where they slide Volpe to third or Peraza third and, and maybe move on from Glaber Torres at some point, if he doesn't, you know, pick up his play over the last two seasons, maybe they go with Peraza or Volpe at second base long-term. Um, if they were to get Carlos Correa, no way they hold on to. I, I think they're going to hold on to Volpe because out of all of them, he looks like the most prized. He looks mm-hmm. like the one who's going to be the most of a big league, you know, legend, like star. Um, Peraza looks amazing, but not on the level that Volpe looks. And um, considering Volpe too is 20 years old, um, definitely has a lot, lot more ahead of him. So Oswald Peraza's trade, trade stock, as I mentioned, is so high. They would 100% trade him, whether that's in a Matt Olson dealer, you know, for whoever it may be. Um, if Carlos Correa is a Yankee, Oswald Peraza is not a Yankee. That is a definite In statement. I like those. I like those definite statements. Those make really good sound bites. <laughs> we won't do that though. We did the same thing with Max last <laughs> week. We're just, we're not going to let anybody get mad at you from a, from a video on Twitter. We're not going to allow that. They have to Thank listen you. to the whole episode <laughs> to hear something good. that you want to get mad about. <laughs> <laughs> good. So for Volpe, I mean, he really kind of came out of nowhere in last year. Not really out of nowhere, but you look at the Yankees' top prospect list right after they signed Dominguez, and it's all Dominguez. You know, he's in the top 50 for Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus. You know, he's this guy who's supposed to just sprint through the minors like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or like a Ronald Acuna Jr. And now all of a sudden this year, Volpe is a guy who's – all of a sudden, you know, this guy could be in the majors way sooner than anybody else. And Dominguez has kind of fallen off that list. Was there any specific change that Volpe made over the season that was kind of that thing that pushed him to the next level? He gained a lot of muscle. That's one thing. It was mainly during that 2020 offseason. He gained a lot of muscle. And he also made a couple of minor swing changes where he got a lot more into his legs and now if you look at his swing, he's one of those guys that uses his entire body, especially the lower body. Um, so those adjustments definitely help them. And there's a reason the Yankees um, were so high on him coming out of the draft, paid him a lot of money to not go to Vanderbilt, got him in the first round. You know, they saw that. he. The reason Volpe wasn't so high um, originally is because just like the, not just like Dominguez, but similar to Dominguez, you know, Volpe hit 250 in his, you know, 30, 25 games, whatever it was um, during his professional debut. And, you know, right after a guy gets in the minors, gets that first taste, the hype, you know, goes down considerably. So that's what happened to Volpe. He also had mono his most of his uh, first season in 2019 and was sick is another thing. And he dealt with um, some other minor injury, I think, um, in his in his first season, Pulaski. But then you know, obviously coming out this year, the Yankees, the Yankees expected it, expected this, this season almost in terms of the progress he's made. And obviously, you know, considering his age and considering the fact that he would finish the season in high A, that's why he jumped on top of Dominguez in those charts, because it kind of flipped a little bit in terms of, you know, their, their years, their ages, where they're at in their career, how close Volpe is to the big leagues. And Volpe's two plus years older than Dominguez is another thing to keep in mind. That's what we're here for. That backdoor insight. He had mono. I had no idea. Yeah, no, no, no clue. Mono. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the fact that um, another thing that speaks 
a lot is Dominguez finished his age 18 season in the same spot that Volpe was in for more than half the season this year when Volpe's two plus years older and also technically has two full years of tour, you know, you, you don't really count the COVID year, but at least some professional baseball experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Dominguez is the guy that's, we got to ask about Dominguez now, because that's the guy that everyone wants to hear about. He's the Martian. He's, you know, the highest <laughs> ever paid uh, in the international free agent period. Is there any concern whatsoever? And I don't have any personally, but is there any concern whatsoever about how far he slid down on the top 100 lists? Because he wasn't even no. on the, the baseball prospectus list. Yeah, there's yeah, there zero shouldn't concern. Be. Shouldn't there be shouldn't all. be at all. And all the people who talk on Twitter and a couple of the you know Yankees or baseball writers um, who, who discuss it, there should be, there is zero concern. We're talking about an 18-year-old who, listen, his first real baseball game, the first real baseball game he played in, it wasn't in the complex. It wasn't with the Tampa Tarpons. It wasn't with the Somerset Patriots. It was the MLB Futures game in front of 60,000 people in Colorado. (laughs) We're not talking about a backfield. We're not talking about, you know, the Tarpons get 1,000 fans. You know, you work your way up. Hudson Valley gets like five, then up and up. We're talking about 60,000 people or whatever it was what was at that future game. Um, that was his first taste of professional baseball at 18 years old. Yeah, it must so be nice. I feel like <laughs> you, you know, you worry a little bit about like just I'm sure everyone who I've talked to said like at the Futures game, he loved it. And he was like signing autographs and waving to fans and bowing um, and all that stuff. Um, so so, yeah, but Dominguez is just so insane and. One, well, one, um, one person I was talking to, if Jason Dominguez doesn't turn out to be an MLB star, it's not the Yankees that were wrong. It's not a scout. It's not a department. It is the entire industry of baseball. Mm-hmm. It, we're talking about hundreds of scouts who saw him. Every single media outlet covering baseball had him as the number one prospect. Obviously made it the most money. The Yankees won that bid and you know broke the record. And the fact that he was, you know, uh, I think he was as high as like 15 or 16 on the top 100 in the past year um, for MLB Pipeline or whoever it was, like that speaks volume. That's the entire industry betting on an 18-year-old to be, you know, a great, a great in this game and, and how talented he is. And the fact that he was, you know, I, I keep saying the age, 18 years old playing in low A is just insane. I also always say he took Vince Velasquez yard um statcast had it at 430 feet and i don't know exactly how old velasquez is but he's got eight years in the bigs i'm sure he's like 32 33 and an 18 year old hit a ball 430 feet off of him yeah we so, don't trust statcast we, we yeah. we've seen some of aaron judge's home runs and there's no way statcast judges those accurately i know they're someone, all way um, longer yeah one of the other uh minor league writers uh was like yeah that wasn't wasn't 430 feet but i keep but just to hammer my point i want to say 430 feet because technically that's what the number said what beside the Gotta point you run off Vince velasquez that's it i mean who is going to take a measuring tape out there and really prove anyone wrong no we're gonna <laughs> count it it counts i mean the red there sox did with the red seat allegedly <laughs> oh yeah that's right Allegedly. 
You tell me nobody's hit that red seat ever since juice balls, everything we know about launch angle and exit velocity. Now, no one's ever gotten it to that red seat. Come on. <laughs> uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. So we have absolutely zero worries about Jason Dominguez. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to hear about Dominguez. Uh, the Yankees also just signed another number one overall international player, Roderick Arias. Have you heard anything about him? Have you seen any film on him? I looked for film, but I really couldn't find all that much. Yeah, um, I've seen a little bit of film, but I've heard great things. Um, and again, going back to that point, when a guy gets $4 million and is ranked the number one player in the class by MLB Pipeline, he's legit. And you look at if you go back and look at the past couple of years, it's Jason Dominguez, it's Wander Franco, yep. it's Vladimir Guerrero, it's Shohei Otani. Um, who else? Juan Soto. These guys were at the top of their class, and there's there's obviously a very good reason they're at the top of their class. It's an entire industry that believes that these guys are future stars. Um, the toughest part about it is obviously that you know they get scouted so young, and you never know how they're going to develop, and that's a tough part of it. But as it stands right now, Roderick Arias is insanely talented. Um, he's a monster from both sides of the plate, especially with the left-handed swing. Some, some serious power. He's just got a nice smooth swing to all parts of the field. And at def uh, defensively, he is a great shortstop who's got a cannon for an arm. I've been told that he's going to end up with a 75-80 grade arm, which is the best possible. Um, he's not like a one of those, you know, insanely Tatis flashy kind of guys, but he's smooth, good footwork, um, smooth to the ball, both offensively and defensive, defensively. And a very good runner who's going to swipe some bags as guys get get older that, you know, the speed decreases a lot. But right now he's a five tool player and, you know, immediately is, is one of the top players in the Yankee system and uh, in all of baseball. I've always loved the Yankees approach with the international draft because they're always so successful. I mean, we haven't had a losing season in the entirety of my life. Um, but because they're always so successful, you know, you're picking at the end of the first round and obviously there's good players available there, but it feels like in recent years, they've kind of pushed all their chips into the international pool. And, you know, when you could trade for international money, that's what they were getting. And now they've kind of put a, a little bit of a lid on that, but it still seems like the Yankees are here coming out with the, you know, the number one overall guy two years in a row. Yeah. And with the CBA, you know, there's talk about this being the last time they're going to, um, there might be an international draft or more limiting on signing or, whatever it may be, because, you know, you got to be honest, maybe, maybe is a little bit unfair that the Yankees win the bidding war almost every year. It yeah. feels like, especially when you um, think about the way it's, it's organized down there that these kids are like 12, 13 years old and they're basically packing up and moving into the Yankees facility. They just, they basically yeah. live there now. So you got five years of developing a relationship with this kid, uh, like, like Dominguez, like Arias, who are just, you know, they're rocking Yankee gear from the first time they hit puberty and all of a sudden, you know, shocker four or five years down the line they want to sign with the yankees for the most money out of anybody yeah um so hopefully the cba i'm definitely in favor of changing that and ken rosenthal also wrote an amazing article the other day it was actually i think it was a couple of days after the international sign he he spoiled it a little bit um but about you know there's a lot of corruption in that in terms of you know the teams getting these got kids so early and and working with you know, train it trainers to make sure they follow these plans. And, 
you know, are going to be on the path and agree to this kind of this amount of money. Um, it's definitely a really, really tough process in terms of the lack of rules. So I'm very much hoping that there's a change in the CBA, but it stays competitive. I would love to see, you know, these guys in the spotlight a little bit more in terms of, you know, you compare the Little League World Series a little bit, um, but these guys are, you know, 15, 16, 16, 17, so a little bit older. Um, be, having them on the national stage a little bit more and being able to, you know, get more videos. I, we've seen like five batting practice videos of like a couple swings, and I've seen um, Arias take one ground ball on video, and that's it. So having these guys in the spotlight a, a little bit more would definitely help ease the whole process. Yeah, and speaking of the CBA, I'm sure that's bound to have a little bit of a impact on minor league conditions. Uh, this one's a little bit of an odd question out of the box, but what's the weirdest job that a minor leaguer has in the offseason that you've met before? Um, 90% of Amazon flex drivers are minor league baseball players. That's a good tidbit. Like the guys that like just drive their cars up and like they go to the Amazon factory, get paid, like pick up a bunch of packages and drop them off. All minor league baseball players. Um, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of like interesting ones up here. I hear a lot guys work at the airport, um, doing like tossing the bags in. Obviously a lot of guys drive Uber. Um, let's see. One player worked at Lululemon selling Lululemon in a, a mall. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't get roasted in the locker room for that. I think really good discounts though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fun jobs, but I think Amazon, Amazon flex drivers, the most common one I hear. That's a good one. I and mean, we know Randy Dobnak was the, the guy who was driving Uber, driver. and then all of a sudden uh -huh. he's pitching against the Yankees in the playoffs. And that was kind of that first moment where, you know, people who are really into baseball and really like on this inside have been on this minor league train forever. Like you have to at least pay these guys enough money to survive. You know, you can't make it to the major leagues if you're not, you know, fully committed to this game. Cause if you're not fully committed, somebody else is. Uh, so it's tough to, to kind of, you can't have an office job and be a major league baseball player. Um, and then Randy Dobnak, I think was the first guy where it really kind of came to the national stage. Cause he was pitching in the postseason against the New York Yankees and they just wouldn't stop talking about how he drove Uber. I know. And David Cohn's little pregame, pregame scouting report, the three things that he does before every game, it was number one. It, I, I don't remember exactly what it was like 4.99 stars on the scouting report <laughs> yeah. for Uber. Not bad. <laughs> not bad Not bad at all so I'm, I'm sure the minor league system is gonna get a little bit of a bump do you think there's is there anything the yankees were already doing beforehand that maybe other teams weren't doing i know the astros just took it upon themselves to kind of help players out with housing and we know the story about you know the triple a and the funeral home that clint frazier was living in which is just an absolutely wild place to live yeah um i've heard i've heard in scranton some um, triple H grand, some wild places. I know I heard, I don't remember who it was this year. Um, and I actually, there was, there was a little video about it that yes, network put out. They were living like in a little, it was kind of like a little house in a junkyard, hmm. literally That's um, like a little, it was like, like, like the house of the owners of a junkyard. And like in the morning, there was like the thing crushing the car right outside their window um, and stuff like that. But Overall, the Yankees through past years, I know in Tampa, they, they treat the guys really well in terms of hotels, Hudson Valley, um, even though this was 2021 was their first year as an affiliate, they covered hotel room. They like zero questions asked. They, they got you a hotel room, which isn't the case for most teams. 
Um, so obviously next year it's going to be great and a big help for all of these guys. The fact that they're going to have real reliable housing, not going to have to come out of their paychecks, not going to have to sleep in their cars, not going to have to take it upon themselves to find housing. You know, you think about how stressful is it getting a call? You have to fly from Tampa to Hudson Valley and meet the team and play tomorrow. And by the way, good luck finding somewhere to sleep tonight. Um, so definitely adding, um, you know, paying them more, but obviously the housing plays a huge role in terms of everything. And I definitely think it's, you know, minor leagues obviously are an investment. You're investing in the players and being able to pay them enough to work on their craft more in the off season, instead of driving Amazon or giving baseball lessons or whatever the, these guys do and being able to work more, lift more, afford better gyms, afford better, better personal trainers. And then during the season have to worry about off the field stuff less is definitely a great investment. Yeah. You don't have to worry about getting traded mid season after you sign a six month or 12 month lease as a player and minor leaders, they, they get traded like candy. They just get tossed yeah. all around the player to be named later. Like you're just waiting to find out who it is. And that guy always just signed a 12 month lease. He's probably got a dog or something. He's, now he's got to take a cross country. It's just, it's a disaster. I would love to see like the exact number of how many different cities the average minor league baseball player lives in per year. I'd probably guess like four, three or four on, yeah. on the high side, but a lot, a lot. We'll have to, we'll have to ask one of uh, our former guests is Zach Cohn. Maybe you know him. He's uh <laughs> he's with one of the lower levels, uh relief pitcher. Um, We'll have to ask him how many how many cities do you live in. We know it's at least two, maybe three, um, but it's it. I mean, it's an insane life to live. Like, how do you live a, yeah. a personal life when you're, you know, getting tossed around from team to team, and you're the player to be named later? And it's you know, it's that Crash Davis quote. Like, I'm the player to be named later. I was supposed to be in Triple A. I was supposed to be you know the next guy up to the major leagues, and now I'm in Single A and in a new city, and I've got nowhere to live. And hopefully, I get solved in the new CBA. <laughs> If it ever yes. comes. Absolutely. If it ever comes. Yeah. Well, we don't want to keep you all night. Allison, do you have any final questions? Um, no, no. I think, I mean, you answered everything great and it was nice to hear some insights so we could have some names to toss around at our, uh, COVID cocktail parties, you know, um, oh, yeah. always a good thing to kind of know that information and, and really keep an eye out for whenever the season does officially start. I usually, um, make a trip down to spring training. So that is still the plan this year. So we'll see if, you know, people are actually going to be there and they'll actually the minor be, leaguers will be there. The minor so leaguers there you go. There. Perfect. So now I got some names so I can just yell them out and see who uh, turns around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. And we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you do this year and riding your coattails to minor league knowledge and showing off in front of everybody else about how deep we are in the Yankees system. I appreciate it. I look forward to doing that as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, man. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>